0: Hello my loves, Jazza here. Before we dive into this wonderful first episode of Pride Month 2023 that is going to go into your ears, I just want to thank Jennifer and Toby for being our Rainbow Parents, the highest tier on Patreon available. You really are uh, really fantastic, the both of you, for continuing to be really bloody or awesome. Sam, you are! Alright, okay. Now on with the episode. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time.
1: I'm Rowan Ellis.
0: And I am Jazza John.
1: Each episode we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema.
0: This episode's genre is actually Queer, Queer Disney. Disney. Oh, ho, ho, ho. That's, that, that was, was my... Sorry, do that
1: again? Ahoy. Ahoy.
0: That's, that's, Ahoy. My,
1: <laughs> that's, that's that's my. That's my. That Mickey. was all you were doing?
0: Yeah. Oh, Love ho. That. <laughs> today. Oh, no. <laughs> today, we're going to be talking about the quite revolutionary first Disney movie to have an actually explicitly queer character. Yes, none of that Le shite. They made a character queer and didn't just tell us about it during the press tour, it's in the real movie.
1: Amazing. But before we unpack how, in the end, we all become our fathers, Jazza, what's the gayest <laughs> thing you've done since the last episode?
0: I teased this in the last episode that we did together, so this is going to go come as no surprise. Um, but I uh, flew back home to the United Kingdom because we were hosting the Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine, who won last year. I went all the way up to Liverpool. I hung out with my friends, Autumn Lux. No, uh, Roly and um, other people, uh, <laughs> and Nova <laughs> and uh, Olympia, and we uh, saw all of the acts in the rehearsals for the Eurovision Song Contest, it's the the campest, gayest thing, and had a lovely little window into my future because it turns out the people that travel to the Eurovision to actually watch the Eurovision live in the stadium are uh, pretty much exclusively gay men over the age of 45 so I saw a little window into my future
1: wait aren't you already 45
0: I hate you <laughs> that's I hate you that's so rude
1: um I mean that to be honest that is both an extremely gay thing to do but also an extremely jazzer thing to do so I love that for you
0: 100% thank you what about you Rowan what have you done
1: I went to a book launch for a very queer book called Gwen and Art are Not in Love by oh. friend of the podcast. And by that, I mean friend of us, Lex Croucher. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Friend of the podcast in that they've guested on the show and friend of the podcast in that they are actually a friend of us.
1: Indeed. So I'm <laughs> halfway through the book at the moment. It is an absolute delight, but it was basically just like a very queer night where I wore a ball gown and had a dagger looked sword great. situation. I look very hot. I will say that much right now. And also... As I loved to say to every single person who complimented me on my dress that night, because I will say right now, me and Tasman came together and we were so overdressed compared to everyone else. But I got it for cheap at a charity shop. Always love a cheap at a charity shop.
0: Of course you did. Did you have to make any alterations?
1: I did. I had to take the sleeves off because I uh, sweat too much to wear sleeves. Of course.
0: Um. Uh, uh, can I do a little humble brag, the Lex Croucher? No. Too yeah, too bad. Oh, already wow, started. Wow. Um. So when they started writing, they're embarking on their career into writing. Basically, whenever a friend of mine writes a book, or whenever they create a human being and have a child, I start lobbying them to name the child or a character after me. And I very much did this with Lex. And eventually, after much bugging, I think in. I think it's in reputation. There is a grumpy old grandma character who is named after me, um, but uses my, uh, yeah, isn't that cool? Um, But uses my non public surname.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) So So everyone go look up Lexis Lexis books to Doc's chatter. Yeah, please do. I also have a, a friend. Who didn't name her baby after me, but I choose to believe did, which is Hannah's son is called Rowan.
0: We all choose to believe this, Mm -hmm. and
1: it was very funny because she had to like message me prior to making the public announcement to just be like, "Hey, just FYI, don't tell anyone." I thought it was weird not to just say to you beforehand about to announce my child has your name. I was like, "Thank you so much for the heads up."
0: awesome well look at us um that spilled over into just humble bragging at the end and people who've named things after us anyway let's get on with the show For those who are new to the Queer Movie Pod, here's how we do things here. First, we like to give a little bit of a background and context on the film, and boy oh boy does this film have context. It's not the first movie to take part in Queer Catching, but it's the first one from Disney to actually deliver on it, arguably. You may have also heard that a teacher in Florida is quote-unquote under investigation for showing this movie to 10-year-olds. We'll uh, talk about it, and then we'll go through and do a summary of what happens in this movie.
1: Yeah, so we're going to be spoiling the movie, uh, as we do every time we do one of these podcasts. So if you care about that kind of thing, you know, go and and watch it first. It's Princess Mononoke meets Indiana Jones, and it's a very fun couple of hours, if you fancy it.
0: Mm -hmm. And so, without further ado, let's rip off Settlers of Catan and turn it into a movie, I guess, and watch... Strange world.
1: Ooh, bitchy. <laughs> it, it, it is. They're hexagons. Bitchy gamer Jazzachan over here. <laughs> so I feel like we would be remiss to dive into this movie without first talking about d- gay Disney as a genre, which we've decided to. <laughs> that's the genre we've decided on today. Yeah, that
0: is this episode.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, I have made an entire unhinged very unhinged video on my channel which I think is Disney's first gay Olympics where I pretend to be the Olympic (laughs) announcers at an Olympic Games where (laughs) the opening ceremony where all of the first gay Disney characters are competing. The joke obviously being there aren't any or at least there are a lot that are claimed to be the first characters but either are just woefully bad representation in terms of like not being... Particularly present in the movies. So a classic one I can think of, just off the top of my head, is in Star Wars. Technically Disney, mm, mm-hmm. they had those two women kiss in the background of a scene right at the end of the last movie <laughs> in the new trilogy, and you were like, confirmed queer, oh, confirmed thanks.
0: queer. <laughs>
1: That's what a gay movie. And you also have these uh, characters, that, as Jazza said, it's queer catching, a term that I coined as a
0: mm-hmm. queer critic. now used now used in some actual academia.
1: So yeah, people cool. weirdly quote me in academia now. It's wild. Um, But essentially it's almost like the opposite of queer baiting where you have these movies where on the press tour, people will talk about um, or in interviews, you know, the writers, the directors, the actors will talk about a character being queer. But when you watch the actual textual piece of media itself, that is not there or at least not in a noticeable way where if they hadn't have said all this stuff in the press that you would have picked up on it. So LeFou, obviously mm-hmm. being a classic example in the Disney remake, there was also random ones in other children's media. So actually one of the first examples of this, obviously other than Dumbledore classic, is mm-hmm. um, the, what I, God, what is his name? He's got a name like Grubbler or something like that from the How <coughs> to Train Your Dragon franchise. Oh,
0: uh, sure. Never watched it, but I ha- I remember this.
1: Yeah, and it was like, oh yeah, he's really gay and the, all the press, everyone was talking about it. And uh, if you watch the movie, it's like, I'm sorry, who, whomst, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so this was, when this movie kind of was announced, they didn't really make a big deal about the fact that it had this gay character that wasn't like a huge part of the marketing. It kind of weirdly became part of like backlash marketing that happened where a bunch of people saw that this movie had like a biracial teen gay protagonist and decided mm-hmm. that they were going to vote it one star on every single review website
0: a biracial queer gen Zer, really Ugh. um wow they literally one of the opening scenes is them eating avocado toast disgusting and, I'm like, and not yeah, being able to gross. afford property gross gross gross
1: <laughs> yeah essentially the backlash to Ethan was kind of the reason why I would say a bunch of queer people even knew that this movie was queer. But I would say a lot of people just never, never knew that it was. I feel like people mm-hmm. are, a lot of people are just, who normally would be very interested in queer media were reasonably surprised when I mentioned the fact this has like an actual canonical queer character. And I think in part it's because a lot of them probably saw, even if they saw the backlash, they thought it was like those other queer Disney characters that were kind of queer catching characters where they kind of expected it to not actually pan out in the movie. But it it definitely does. I think it's, it's extremely uh, explicit representation. And to me, that basically means that someone within the target audience of the movie can pick up on it without any external factors or interviews mm-hmm. or press tours or anything like that. And I think absolutely this was as clear as you can make it. They talk about crushes, they uh, talk about flirting, like mm-hmm. they have the kind of parents being introduced to the like there's There's a, a
0: technically a coming out scene as well with the granddad too yeah
1: yeah there's a coming out scene so so it very much is a uh, is representation finally disney finally gives it to us and it just happens mm. to be in a movie that was a notorious that nobody watched. flop um yeah. <laughs> and that they actually ended up not releasing in a 20 different countries because of the queer content mm-hmm. yeah this just feels like a significant movie in the history of gay representation because it is like definitely the first teenage queer character in a Disney animated movie mm-hmm. and that that is in itself significant but obviously the backlash has not just been to do with like review bombing and stuff uh jazza what what's going on in the wonderful sunny state of florida <laughs> our respondent i hear our respondent jazza john is on the scene <laughs> Jazza, uh, can you hear me?
0: Yes, hello. I'm here sweating because that's all I ever seem to do whenever I'm in Florida. No, I'm I'm still in my apartment in New York where I have rights. Uh, so there is a long history of Disney within Florida. Obviously, that is one where one of the largest theme parks in the world is. And they actually get to administer it basically like it's its own local government so disney will run a lot of the utilities things like fire responses and public transport on their grounds in florida and a lot of it is uh, allows them to be exempt from a load of taxation um, but they're also kind of like a huge important part of florida's economy employing like nearly a hundred thousand people and so when disney sneezes florida gets a cold is that the right thing maybe Recently, I mean, Florida is a little bit bananas at the best of times. Just Google Florida man and see what it auto completes to. But they have kind of recently as a state been somewhat antagonistic to Disney as a company and as a brand. So the new Florida governor DeSantis, who is tipped to run for president uh, in the next year or so has been trying repeatedly to remove the tax exemptions from Disney. And so they have been rubbing each other up the wrong way for a couple of years now. And then there was the rather famous, it's called the Don't Say Gay Bill. It's essentially a reintroduction of Section 28, which remo- it's actually called HP 1557. Very catchy. Um, If you want to Google it properly. Yeah, you know, Don't Say Gay Bill is um uh, way cooler. But essentially it says, Says that, and I quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. We've seen these kinds of laws before. Um, Section 28 is the big one in the UK. There are loads of these kinds of do not even mention the queer to my children because then it will convert them kind of laws that are across the world and there are many being introduced into different states across the united states at the moment and this was passed in summer last year in florida essentially it means that you can you you just can't talk about sexual orientation or gender identity at the moment to anybody um, up to the age of 8 and that's been being expanded to uh, up to the age of 17 which is 12th grade in the united mm. states
1: but i would like to point out that um that that wording um, technically, mm-hmm. you can't talk about straight people either. Yeah, And right. that, that is a thing that some kind of like as civil disobedience, some teachers and librarians have been doing, which is that they have been saying that they're not allowed. The students can't address them by pronouns. They can't use like Mr. and Mrs. because that denotes gender. They can't mm-hmm. talk about, like they've been kind of saying like, well, yeah, if this is the law that you put in, I'm just following the law, Mr. Ronald, which I do appreciate that kind of trying to push back on such a horrific piece of legislation.
0: Mm-hmm. You do what you can, right? So there was this teacher, um, just a few months ago, called Jenna Barbie, who was teaching not even about relationship education, was teaching about the environment because this movie is a lot of things. One of the things it is it's very heavy-handed on its environmental responsibility messaging, um, which I think is really good. But it's it, like that's the that really feels like the reason that this movie exists. And so they were learning about the environment and kind of like looking after the planet in Jenna Barbie's class. And so they put on Strange World and watched it, and it has. Uh, Barbie said that there was only one scene that lasts for about two minutes. I don't think that is the case. There is kind of like explicit references to Ethan and his uh, uh, orientation or more specifically his crush throughout the movie. But it's because of that short scene at the beginning where there is explicitly this teenager has a crush on another boy that has caused her to be under investigation by the school board. Rowan... Are you aware of the fact that many schools across the United States um, actually allow you to watch a live stream of their school board meetings?
1: Uh, No.
0: So you can, and you can watch the school board meeting where a load of teachers and parents kind of like speak with the school board. And I've seen the one where Barbie kind of like stands up and does stuff. But in order to do that, I had to scrub through basically you get th- anybody can sp- in the window of 90 minutes anyone can speak for 3 minutes and i scrubbed through the whole thing to try and find her testimony um and oh my god america is not okay it's basically all of the boomers who have been radicalized on facebook are now going up and standing at a podium and talking about how the liberals are trying to tax their children and make them trans like it's it is a terrifying environment to be in at the moment especially if you're a teacher who is vaguely liberally minded and wants to i don't know has the best intentions for your kids especially if they might think that they are part of the lgbtq plus community so currently this teacher is under investigation quote unquote they've talked about on their TikTok how the children in her class are going to be interrogated and asked whether or not she's actually a decent teacher but it is very possible that she could lose her job and to be completely honest if I were her I'd be questioning whether I wanted to continue to teach in an environment like this in Florida and in so many other states across the country it's kind of scary you think of the U.S. as being kind of like relatively pro-LGBT I think but in the last couple of years I don't know did the panny just make everybody bananas sounds it.
1: Panny going banana as they say.
0: Panny banana.
1: Uh, Yeah no it's it's really awful and like the first that I'd heard about it was seeing her TikTok Mm. which sounds like it was like one particular student's mother who sits on who is on the board yeah uh, had basically like got this absolute like I think she described it as like a rampage that this woman was on to try and get rid of all representation within the school so it sounds like this is might not be limited within that school system to LGBT topics, Mm -hmm. but potentially there are like other elements. I know that critical race theory is uh, something else that is hugely banned um, books wise, Mm -hmm. alongside LGBTQ plus content in the US.
0: I mean, says Rowan Ellis, who is a banned author, right?
1: Well, they voted, they voted against banning it.
0: Oh, I'm so happy. Shout
1: out to New Jersey for that one. New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't actually know what that accent is, but I, you know, I try.
0: (laughs) I don't put know in there either. <laughs> so that is the huge amount of, uh, to be completely honest, if this stuff hadn't happened, we may not have been talking about this movie. It certainly wasn't something that was on my radar.
1: It was on my radar because I am a true Disney fan. I am are you're, you're
0: a Disney gay. Yeah, you're a Disney Are You're an insufferable Disney gay. You terrify me.
1: I am a Disney gay. So I think I pitched this movie a while ago and it would sort of, I don't even think Jazz are rejected. I think Jazz was just like, oh, okay. And then just moved. I the ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> but i forced i forced them into it i did it i was
0: like can't we ju- can't we like do some art house or uh, like a, a pretentious french movie or something like that mm-hmm. and uh, uh luckily there's a new story about it which is a way to make me sit up and pay attention so there is all of this baggage but let's actually go and talk about the movie itself shall we
1: So I completely forgot to split this into three acts, but it seems oh, like wow. the kind of true movie... True to form. True to form. But it does seem like the kind of movie that has... It feels like it follows a very typical narrative structure. There wasn't anything wild going on with the storytelling here. So I imagine that it will be pretty self-explanatory as we go through. Um, but mm-hmm. I imagine that you have split it into three acts, that you have names for the acts. So please lay the first act name on me. Professional Jazzer John.
0: Yeah, because I... I do my fucking homework. <laughs> um, so my act one is... <clears throat> He's an apple from the tree with a thing for botany. It's such a clay.
1: That was fantastic.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I loved... So that is the opening song. And any movie that opens with a song, I'm here for. It was catchy. Um, It was campy. And it gave us a little background of who, like, two of our main protagonists are. Um, So we're introduced to... Jaeger clade not clay god i even got it wrong in the fucking um, how could opening how you uh Jaeger clade who is a big burly mustachioed tough dad and uh his son who likes plants and how they <laughs> go around uh, defining characteristic likes plants to be fair we know all of them and this movie's already gay because there's a plant dad in it
1: yeah, that's true. That is uh, just inherently queer. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. this is kind of like, the movie starts with a flashback origin story in this kind of like pre-industrialized society. Uh, and mm-hmm. jaeger Clay is described as the manliest of guys and goes off with his son, Searcher, who, you know, likes plants, is scared all the time and is very uncomfortable with adventuring. And is like, you know mm-hmm. what we should do together? Adventuring. You know, there's feels like there's a lot of expectations on this on this boy, on this mm. little, little lad, Searcher, mm-hmm. as they are. Climbing up the mountains with the, with a couple of other people on their team, you know, doing the explorer thing, and then uh, exploring an ice cave that very quickly decides to collapse on them. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jaeger saves his son. Another close call, eh? Uh, I'm gonna say yeah. right now, his son, searcher, not a not a fan. <laughs> very clearly, not into this. Not a mm-hmm. vibe. Jaeger, the manliest of men, very un un. Uh, in touch with his and his son's emotions not picking up what searcher is putting down whatsoever
0: mm mm-hmm, mhm 100% so in th- they they're running they're fleeing out of this uh, collapsing cave the cave started collapsing because searcher has found these these things that end up being called pando which is a terrible name for it, unless it's a reference to something. Um, they're basically these electric green buzzing berries. They're an android green. And when they get out onto the side of the mountain, once they've escaped, they have a big argument because the whole thing is that they're trying to get to the other side of the mountain so that their civilization can develop. And Searcher is like, well, what if these buzzing berries could actually provide an energy source for us and therefore um, help us to develop as a nation? And... Jaeger goes, hell no, I want to explore.
1: I'm going to go to the other side of the mountains.
0: Other side of the mountain. And so do you,
1: my son. And he's like, I'm... No, No, dad, that's your dream, not mine. It's a classic, you know, man wants his teenage high school son to play basketball slash baseball slash American football. And then he's like, that's not my dream. It's yours, dad. Mm -hmm. Except with adventuring and gardening yeah <laughs> also yeah, can i exactly. just say i think it's very important to point out and i feel like it is wild that no one in this world points out and i can only assume it's because this doesn't exist in their world but the but pando it grow it's just brussels sprouts <laughs> it grows like brussels sprouts it's
0: i'm i disagree i think it looks like chestnuts
1: what is wrong with you that's chestnuts grow in a tree jazza but
0: the oh you mean the whole plant yeah sure yeah yeah i guess um but the little spiky balls they look like chestnuts before you take them out never mind okay moving swiftly on. okay so basically
1: it's a chestnut brussels sprout hybrid it's a (laughs) well
0: that electrocutes you
1: they're elect they are 100 listen they're electric brussels sprouts you cannot look at Pando and then look at how brussels sprouts grow and not be like this is literally the same thing
0: Okay, fine. So uh, jaeger continues on his journey, and Searcher with the rest of the expedition uh, return home. And then we flash back immediately, or flash forward twenty-five years, and we are introduced to Searcher now with beard,
1: mm-hmm. Dorky Dilf Searcher. Yeah, he saves yeah. the world with his Brussels sprouts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The with father of sprouts. Pando, good boy.
0: And we're um, introduced to uh, his wife, Meridian, um, and they're also incredibly hot. Also very hot. It just has a great attitude through the whole thing. And their son, Ethan, and their dog, Legend. Right? Is that what the dog is called? Yeah, yes. like on a map. Mm-hmm. So basically, Ethan. Is embarrassed of his parents. They're like super cute Meridian and Searcher, just like kissy kissy kissy, dancy dancy dancy, everything you want in a relationship and more.
1: But not what you want in parents. If you're a cool sixteen-year-old,
0: uh, uh, oh, gross. gross, gross. Oh my god, Mum, Dad, can't believe you're kissing in front of me. It's so embarrassing. Ooh. So Ethan is a it's basically a board game queer mm-hmm yeah Ethan's friends rock up and they are like oh we were there at the um opening of like the release of these new cards for this game that we play which is settlers of Catan
1: Primal outpost put some put some respect on its name Primal outpost
0: it looks shit and it's basically settlers of Catan uh
1: listen listen this this game is a central motif throughout this movie. Respect uh-huh. settlers of Catan, the Brussels Sprout edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's only. I hope that they do a spin-off. That'll be quite
0: fun. Um, but we are introduced at this point to Diazo, who is Ethan's crush. They're like um, uh, super cute. Diazo uh, gets a good card in his Pokemon deck, It's the only point that I have, uh, and trades it with Ethan, gives it to Ethan, isn't it cute? Dad comes up, is like, oh, like, uh, you, I, you like my son, eh? And and embarrasses Ethan some more.
1: Um, specifically, okay, we need to appreciate Diazzo Not just doesn't just give him some cuts. He specifically they went to the launch of the new packs, and he specifically got some for Ethan because he knew that Ethan wouldn't be able to make it because he would be farming or whatever. And so mm-hmm. he, he's like. Oh, I got you some cards. The friends who have come with them are both looking at each other like the most long-suffering people in the world where they're just like, oh my God, they're flirting again for God's Mm -hmm. sake. Like, won't these two just kiss already? Which I greatly appreciated. Mm -hmm. And specifically the card that Ethan gets is the farmer card. And he wants... The Explorer card, which is the one that Dialzo has, and Dialzo goes to swap with him, and basically is like, "This seems more like you," which is cute because he knows him. It's a friends to lovers story. By the end, it's so cute. Um, but yeah, uh, Searcher is great at being a dad, but specifically a very embarrassing one, and I love that for him.
0: So they, like, we get introduced to the town a little bit. We see that Searcher has a statue in the town alongside his father because jaeger was a really cool explorer and searcher did the Brussels wells and uh, later that evening uh, somebody who was on the exhibition where they ended up um oh by the way jaeger never came back like jaeger continued off searching and hasn't been back in 25 yeah. years so presumed- he was like
1: what's more important than my son mountains And he committed to that bit.
0: And we presume, well, I presumed dead, really. Uh, And one of the people who was on that exhibition, um, who is now the president of the civilization called Avalonia, Mm -hmm. Callisto, comes back and is like, uh, oh, searcher, Uh, The the Brussels sprouts, they're dying. The Brussels sprouts are dying. We need to go and find out why they're dying. We found this hole. Look, there's a hole in the ground and we're going to fly down into the hole and try and find out what is wrong with the Brussels sprouts. Mm
1: -hmm. She's like, I know how much you love expeditions. Specifically famous for it. I, in fact, was on that expedition where you decided to abandon your father to his weird expedition dreams, so you could come back and not have to expedition anymore. Mm -hmm. You are the perfect candidate to come on this expedition. Let's go. Leave yep, your son exactly. and your wife behind and your three-legged dog, who's also, I guess, here. Mm-hmm. we got to go and save the world. Love it. Very disaster movie Sheet.
0: Yeah, so Searcher goes along with Callisto and uh, we're introduced to basically this big hole in the ground. Um, <laughs> I and...
1: thought you were going to say to like this character, so we're introduced to this guy. I'm like, I don't know if we're introduced... <laughs> I guess we're technically introduced to the crew, but they're very forgettable. And I was like, oh no, we're introduced to the hole in the ground. We're
0: introduced to the crew... I mean, there's there's this one crew member who is like uh, uh cracking jokes that aren't funny, and we immediately are uh, told to dislike him as the audience, and he full on dies in about ten minutes. He gets attacked <laughs> by one of the blood cell pterodactyls, um, and <laughs> is is like properly murdered. No, not a mo- not a single moment of grief. No pouring out no. one for our uh, lost comrade. No, but nobody cares. Un-imported. Um, barely named unimportant um so they uh, go down into this giant hole and it turns out that ethan and legend have stowed away as well and so meridian has followed them down too so oh no the whole family is here put in perilous danger as they try and find out why the boss sprouts are rotting
1: those little rapscallions
0: Mm -hmm. so they end up being attacked by when they went down into the hole i was like this is going to turn into um journey to the center of the earth there are going to be dinosaurs lo and mm, behold
1: they're going to the center of the Earth. yeah
0: lo and behold dinosaurs so these pterodactyls uh, attack like i said kill the 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 pilot
1: pteratactyls am i right
0: uh-huh attack- they're called pterodactyls.
1: Oh. am i right And then, and then when they attack, then they end up being trapped in this like underground world. Terror, attack, trapdoors, am (laughs) I I right? (laughs) (laughs) Am I, am I, am I right?
0: (laughs) No, it's so wrong. (laughs) um so they're terror attack and they end up uh, split up obviously because it, how else do you progress a plot um so dad and legend the dog fall off of the aircraft um and into this fantastical world full of uh, it's basically dinosaurs and we see all of them kind of like interacting with one another in this huge ecosystem and you can see the uh, the root of the electric Brussels sprouts um, heading towards the heart of this world, to the centre of the earth. And Dad is in danger, gets beaten up by this blue thing called splat which is significant later on and ends up finding his dad oh my god his dad has been here jaeger has been here for the whole 25 years he's lost dad yeah
1: oh my god
0: yeah he's lost he has a big flamethrower now and when searcher is attacked by all of these like tentacle monsters he fights them off and they're like oh my god you're alive nobody seems hugely happy about it but you know they had a rocky (laughs) relationship anyway
1: Truly. There's also uh, a lot of this movie is very much stylized like old action movies, comic book things. So it's like a nice little smash cart from dad to Shing. We're back to Ethan being... An idiot. I mean, a 16-year-old boy who likes to explore, I guess, but he very mm-hmm. quickly decides, hey, do you know what I should do? Instead of staying where my mum told me to in the safety of this ship, Um, I should go anywhere else. I should just be anywhere else to go and look for my dad.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he wants to go and look for his dad. I feel like that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but can you just, t- can you say to anyone, literally anyone, hey, let's go and look for dad. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we should look for my dad. Instead, he's like, come here, dog. But they
0: said No. You're, you're, no, you're trying to f- turn this into a plot hole. I think that this made sense. Oh,
1: no, no, it's not a plot hole. I just want to acknowledge the fact that Ethan is a stupid 16 year old boy. I mean, sorry, he's an explorer.
0: He's an explorer. He's cool. It's in his He blood. wants to go out and explore. Exactly. I
1: really enjoyed the bit where he is like really awkwardly fake boast flirting with Diazo, where he's just like, yeah, yeah I'm in a hole in the, like, I'm in the center of the earth. Diaz's like, yeah, no big deal. Just exploring. Don't, it's so. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what a cute little boy
0: i really really loved those kinds of things because diazo is not like this thing one and done that we see at the sandwich of the movie like at the very beginning and the very end like he's mentioned as ethan's crush throughout the film mm. so in this little bit where he's kind of like remembering him and thinking like oh yeah this is how i'm going to impress diazo later on where uh, he talks about his crush with his uh, newly found grandfather and kind of like it's really pebbled throughout and it feels really natural and i i appreciated it i, I did as it's well a really cool way mm-hmm.
1: ethan before he meets up with his granddad manages to meet up with um squeaky blue boy aka splat mm-hmm. and it becomes apparent that ethan is woefully unprepared to be an explorer he's exploring in his soul but maybe not in his brain right now Mm -hmm. he needs maybe some training because he just constantly is touching things i I feel like if he had been hungry at that moment he would have just started to eat things with no knowledge of if they were poisonous and so splat is really splat initially is trying to keep him alive because splat is like a scout for these big creatures that like to eat human beings Mm -hmm. Uh, and so at first he's trying to keep ethan alive simply so he can get him to the place where he can be eaten but eventually ends up actually having to try and make sure he stays alive and um, really has his work cut out for him, our boy Splat.
0: Yeah, bless. I full-on didn't realize that Splat was trying to kill Ethan until the second time I watched this movie. I was like, oh, they're just friends.
1: It's it's fine. Jazza, it's fine. It's just a movie for six-year-olds. It's very understandable (laughs) that you wouldn't understand the intricacies of the plot. That's totally fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh,
0: so, um, Ethan nearly gets eaten by these uh, tentacle monsters, and then uh, his granddad appears, and oh look, we have a lovely reunion. Yay. Um, Yeager's uh, a granddad. Um, sort and... of.
1: It's kind of tense, but hypothetically, yeah. yay.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then eventually they meet up with the rest of the crew because they've they've fixed the airship now, and now they're going to travel down to the center of the world following the electric Brussels sprouts, so that they can save the energy system
1: yeah they can they can get rid of the poison they can get pando back up and running everything will be so fine Mm -hmm. everything's so great and meanwhile while this like very classic like quest type stage by stage step by step journey is happening we have this b plot situation which is just daddy on daddy on daddy issues between these three
0: (laughs) three boys not daddy on daddy on daddy
1: yes but issues mm-hmm. so essentially it's exactly what you would think from this setup so um searcher is trying to really get ethan to love farming he's Mm -hmm. like when he's when he's trying to big up ethan to diazo at the beginning he's like he is such a talented farmer let me tell you he oh he bloody he's so good in a field thinking that's like the height of compliment for the height of call for his son Mm -hmm. um so he's wanting to get him you know he's talking about how good he is with a pando picker all of this stuff whereas his father jaeger is much more interested in trying to get uh, ethan to use a some kind of flamethrower weapon yeah, uh, yeah. and searcher keeps hallucinating his son growing a massive mustache uh, like his <laughs> father really, and being I like really i'm those. going to abandon you just like your dad did and clearly he's got some issues with abandonment issues that he's kind of projecting onto his son and neither of them are interested in letting ethan be himself and that's what he that's what he wants that's what he craves that's what he needs and this all blows up during a classic father father son game of primal outpost
0: of of Settlers of Catan
1: of Settlers of Catan where the point is to live harmoniously with your environment and that there are no bad guys and oh it's almost like that could be some kind of like metaphor or inner message that we should think about during this movie or something wow Yeah. yeah interesting interesting but you know Jaeger just wants to kill everything um, and Searcher just wants to farm and like get more products and make more energy and take up more land and to get rid of anything which is going to hinder his particular crops. And uh, yeah, it turns out that's not great for the environment of the Prime hmm
0: Buy organic kids. Who knew? <laughs> Hello darlings, Jazza here. For the ad read this episode, it's our favourite time of year. Yeah, it's Pride Month, but it's also Multitude's annual summer survey. This is your chance to give feedback to Multitude as a whole, and each of the shows in the collective that you listen to. Tell us how we're doing, where you want us to do live shows, new merch ideas, and all of your deep seated feelings about podcasting in general. And we're all podcast fanatics here. We really want to hear what you have to say. The survey takes only 10 minutes, works great on desktop and mobile, and ends with the biggest collage of pets photos that we have ever had. Yes, you heard right photos of pets. The results of the survey truly help us chart a path for the future and your answers and suggestions were in the past seeds that grew into the multi crew digital live shows the discord ad free episodes and new shows like games and feelings and tell me about it so go to multitude.production/survey right now to fill out the survey we're accepting answers until the 9th of june so fill it out as soon as you can that's multitude.production/survey or click the link in this episode description. You hear our voices all of the time, and now let us hear yours. We are also continuing to be supported by Squarespace, who can help you to buy a domain and create a website. We've been talking about how much we love using Squarespace for our own website creations, giving us access to analytics because we love them numbers and creating email campaigns and connecting all of our social media into one place because when you are busy internet queers like me and rowan it's good to have a little hub for yourself we know that you hear a lot from your favorite media asking you to use their promotion code for spare space um and all we ask is that this pride month you choose to to support your favorite queer podcast us the queer movie podcast and to do that all you have to do is go to squarespace.com/queermovie and when you're all set up to set up that little hub of yourself on the web you can use the offer code queermovie or one word and save 10 percentage points off your first purchase of a website or a domain just go to squarespace.com/queermovie We are also sponsored this episode once again by the cute little darlens from nerdy Kepi. They are a quality wear company from Portland, Oregon, family-owned, trans-operated and unionised to boot, offering pride gear that's subtle, sustaining and suitable for work in a variety of pride flags, with sizes up to 5XL in most items. They also have a selection of pride-themed face masks if you want to keep yourself safe this season, queer-affirming, wall art and so much more. I really do love the stuff that they have available there. So... All you have to do to get some money off is use the coupon code Queer Movie, and you get twenty percent off of your first purchase. Twenty percent—that is one fifth of the fee. Yeah, I turned it into a fraction. Why not? So just go to Cappy. You can find them at ItHasPockets.Gay. That's the best URL you're going to hear all day. ItHasPockets. All one word. Gay. And finally, I want to tell you about something new that you might like in your ears, Gender Spiral, which is a new podcast about all things gender. Through interviews with folks from across the gender identity spectrum, we'll explore what it means to be a human in our modern gendered world. Gender Spiral is hosted by Ali Beardsley, a comedian and actor who you may know from college humour and dropout, and Babette Thomas, an artist, radio producer and researcher extraordinaire. As non-binary people, Ali and Babette are going on a quest to explore topics surrounding identity and gender by interviewing the experts on the topic, trans and queer people themselves. Trans and queer folks are constantly examining their experiences moving through life in a society focused on binary definitions of gender, but really, everyone should feel free to explore how ideas of gender and gender roles work for and against them in our modern world. No matter your identity, Ali and Babette invite you to join them on this gender journey. Check out Gender Spiral every Tuesday, wherever you listen to your podcast, starting on June the 6th, and you can also go to patreon.com slash Podcast to support the show. Go on, go spiral with them, and you can continue to spiral with us here at the Queer Movie Pod as well, when we go, we're going, it's back to the show, we're going back to the show enjoy the rest of the show (laughs) it's it's about here that um i have my act two and it's hey hi we're the problem it's us
1: oh that's also all of these songs by the way your your acts
0: it was hard to turn party and its aftermath into a song um Mm, so no but these first two are
1: okay I was wondering about party in Sattermouth because it kind of felt like we didn't. Re- you know what? I'll see you when you where you shoehorn it in. Yeah, you're,
0: yeah, you're, watch me.
1: <laughs> so at this point, we're getting to the scary acid lake.
0: Oh, sure, the scary acid lake, um, yeah. which we
1: have been warned about previously, where we have to cross the scary acid lake. Really, it's been set up as like this is our big incredible thing we've got to oh no wait we just flew over it. it's fine yeah, yeah
0: well because because they worked in harmony mm. with the environment it's... so splat oh, comes up after having tried to legitimately kill Ethan um, <laughs> and then just goes up to the front of the thing and is like hey little tardigrade or that tardigrade friends um, do you want to help us get across the acid lake and the tardigrades go yeah sure let's do it and so they they float over it with no problem so that's what happens our oh, moral of the story unlocked
1: beautiful but then immediately they get attacked by the monsters the pterotactyls yeah, the pterotactyls and jaeger takes as an opportunity to teach his boy how to throw um because <laughs> in a line that did make me chuckle it turns out that searcher's mum, aka jaeger's wife that he again also just left with no warning um to go over the mm-hmm. mountains has remarried to this other guy and it turns out he's the one who taught searcher how to throw. Okay, because like, who told you how to throw? Uh and it turns out yeah, his stepdad, who apparently is also not a very good thrower, has been teaching him, how, mm-hmm. has been doing that, doing the job for Jaeger, which I found very amusing. But he, you know, we've got a little bit of family bonding time in the heat of the moment, followed immediately after the battle by like a beer bottle clinking bonding time, which is much more awkward when they don't have like death at hand. It's a lot more mm-hmm. like, okay, well, um, farming, eh?
0: <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. Ooh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love far- farming. How about that farm that you own, I guess? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very it's actually it's actually quite it's actually quite cute.
1: Oh, there is a line in this section that I thought was really interesting when I rewatched it from the point of view of specifically the climate change angle, which is like this sunk cost fallacy element of this conversation where Jaeger's basically like, oh, I'm too old to change now. And it's like, oh, okay, this idea of like, oh, we'll just keep going how we have been, even if it's not the right thing to be doing, because it's, you know, it's too, we're too, too old to change our habits it's too late now and I thought that was kind of fun and also we also get canonical another mention of Dialzo and canonical proof that Ethan's mom is also on the we know about your crush train let's make that happen but she's much more subtle about it she is not immediately running out into the fields and screaming at her son's crush to to be like hi it's me Your, Mm -hmm. your friend's dad who loves him so much and you
0: I'm so Searcher in this. I'm just like, <laughs> I'd be so fucking excited. So we find out eventually that Ethan has actually quite enjoyed learning how to be an explorer from his grandpa. And then Ethan and Searcher, his dad, have a bit of an argument about the fact that Searcher's like, well, you are going to be a farmer. You're a fantastic farmer. Why, why would you want to like go exploring and doing anything? And Searcher's like, the Jaeger's been influencing you. Ethan gets really frustrated by this because he's always wanted, to, he's always had this urge to be an explorer. He finally feels him, like himself and free down here in the in the pterodactyl land. And after this argument, Ethan full on just like jumps on a load of the the pterodactyls and and uh, flies off. Searcher runs after him on a little flying vehicle, and eventually they end up outside, which is weird because they're underneath the ground.
1: How is that even possible? Ha-
0: Oh my god how is what? it possible well basically they live on discworld and there's a giant <laughs> turtle um so the <laughs> eye this eye opens in front of them and this they're like hovering right in front of this eye and oh my god the world that they live on is a turtle just like floating around the ocean on this world and oh wow
1: the acid lake is a stomach, the windy trees of the lungs, the yep. little reapers are in an immune system. They yep. are like little fucking bacteria on the skin. And yep. Pando is not this amazing, beautiful, organic plant. We love it. It is a fucking virus, like it's evil cancer. fungus cancer that's killing the creature. So before this, it was like oh no the plant pando which is this amazing thing that powers our entire civilization is being attacked by these evil creatures they're pests we have to kill them we have to attack them and ethan's like i don't want to kill all these creatures and it's like well no this is what farmers do you know Mm -hmm. like this is how this argument starts and then you're like oh shit wait actually pando's not good and then immediately searches like on board with this. And it's just like, yeah, cool, uh, let's kill Pando. Let's fucking get rid of this shit. Uh, I'm gonna, he says, I'm gonna destroy my legacy for my son. And it's like, damn right you are. This man needs to very little persuading. In terms of the metaphor of climate change, this is very much not uh reality, but you know, it's a utopian version of what could be. If someone was, you know, for example, been like, hey, this power source that you're using is killing the world that you live on. Yeah, right now, there's, there's not a lot of search clades being like, yeah, we should just not use the thing that's killing the thing we live on.
0: Which is why I've called Act 3 the degrowth agenda party and its aftermath.
1: Oh, love that. Love to shoehorn in the party its aftermath, which if this is, for some reason, the first episode you're listening to of this podcast Every gay movie, it turns out, has an act, which is the party in its aftermath. Mm-hmm. Some of them have more than one. One movie, I can't remember which one it was. It was, was all, had three. yeah.
0: <laughs> <Had> every <laughs> all single act as a party and in its aftermath.
1: aftermath. This one's the most tenuous, the, maybe, that we've had so far, but let's not think about that right now. Let's talk more about... I
0: don't know. We've, we've had to shoehorn before. Another one was the Green Party... And its aftermath, mm. because it's kind of like this is—it's like it's been commissioned by the Green Party. By the
1: Green Party, that's that's very smart. Thank
0: you. Not the crazy American one that's um, anti-vax, but the European ones that just want to like not have the planet burn. That
1: just love recycling.
0: Yeah, just l- adore it.
1: So I guess yeah, here we go. Act three, which is the final new plan. We love this. Is this is what I mean about it being like a very—and this has been pointed out by critics who talk about this movie—is that the scripting in terms of the story like this element of like oh it's this no it's this like the actual concept is really interesting but the like characters are not necessarily super fleshed out and that it there is some elements that just feel like okay and we're running away from this stuff again okay there's like kind of the same things happening over again and so there isn't
0: also a lot of nuance either it's very it's very on the button nose
1: yeah but i also feel like fair enough and it's kind of interesting that this version... So I, I watched a video essay actually about this movie uh, last week, I think it was, that did make some interesting points around the prevalence of like climate change movies that don't go this far. A lot of them, mm. it's sort of like, oh, we did this one, you know, we we took the team to blow up the, the ozone layer or we did, you know, we did this one <laughs> thing that we had to do and then it, everything was fine afterwards or you know i mean like it's not necessarily or like there's there's very few movies that actually commit to the idea of like hey you have you might have to completely change how you live and that is a heroic thing to do like that feels like Mm -hmm. kind of a new thing and i I really appreciated that i think it's a really interesting way of looking at it that fits very into the uh, solar punk as a new type of speculative fiction which is Mm -hmm. reasonably recent and is very interesting and much more of a like utopian view of what the future could look like in comparison to much more like grim dark cyberpunk kind of energy.
0: Yeah, it has an optimism about it but also kind of like a measured optimism of yeah you're going to have to give up things but mm. then you can still have meaning and value and happiness in your life. It was kind of one of the reasons that um I scripted you saying that it was it had tinges of princess mononoke in it because mm. I think that princess mononoke is a is such an interestingly told story because it has like an antagonist and a bad guy in it but the reasons that they want to do everything is for good, like they want to be able to exploit a resource so that their people can thrive, and they've come to a really balanced decision. And it's a much more, it's much more nuanced than kind of like the Thanos thing of "there's too many people in the world, kill all mm. of them." There's kind of like this balance thing that you have in Mononoke with that, mm. that antagonist in that movie and a fleshed character. And here you also have it's, which is why Act Two was "we're the problem." It's us. We are the ones that are. Also, the antagonist in this. Like, the antagonist was seen as like all of these monsters, but actually, the antagonists are there trying to maintain this world that sustains all of this diverse life.
1: Mm. But it's almost like, I don't know, something that Ethan said earlier on when they were playing that Settlers of Catan game. Settlers of Catan. There are no bad guys in that what they were doing was what they thought they needed to do with the information they had. But as soon as they had more information about the situation, they were like, oh, switch it up. We actually have to think about things other than ourselves. And I kind of love that. The closest that we get to, not really a bad guy, but like an antagonistic force or like a a, a blockage or a barrier, is hot lady, leader, woman. Callisto. Callisto. I think her Nate, I think you'll find in the script her name is Hot Lady Leader Woman.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: Essentially, who hasn't seen the fact they're on the back of a in the guts of a creature and is maybe understandably being like that's insane, locks them up before they can do this plan to destroy the Pando because she's like this is insane. Um, I we're going to continue with our mission. You wait there until we can figure out what the hell is going on because this seems a bit intense, which I think is you know. I would say fair enough. It's not every day that you uh, find out that you're on the back of a giant turtle and that everything you've known about your world is um, wrong. So I can kind of understand that. But obviously, Searcher and Ethan are on a mission, baby. So they're like, OK, cool. We're actually not going to stay in this cupboard. We will, in fact, be going to kill the Pando." Thank you so much. And uh, they simply go and do. <laughs> and... And that's it, really. That's the movie, the end. No, that's the, the movie. There's some cute, there's um, some cute uh... <laughs> stuff with like... Um... Yeah,
0: there's the wrap-up bit where we have the cut to one year later where Ethan is off exploring the underworld with Diazo and is kind of like corresponding with his parents back home. Avalonia has now kind of like moved from a electric process well energy to wind turbines. We love to see it and... <laughs> Jaeger goes to visit his ex-wife, who is completely off camera Mm -hmm. and has like remarried, married to Sheldon, that taught to Sheldon, who taught Searcher how to throw. Um, And it turns out that Sheldon is just kind of like a bigger, younger version of Jaeger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm fully committed to the idea that they are now in a throw.
1: Yeah, I have. They should have a poly marriage now. Is my in my notes? Because he because Sheldon literally like gives him this massive hug. Yeah. Also, Searcher's mum is also hot. Uh, Everyone in this movie is hot in their own special way. Mm -hmm. and also like we see that you know jaeger is helping on the farm now there is like a much better relationship between father and son and son and father and father and (laughs) and this was kind of like obviously during the big finale that we did skip over where they essentially go and shovel down make a big old hole and let the immune system aided the pando let's go in all capital letters which was my notes on what happened during that Act. Um then they it was it was the three of them working together, using their different skills, blah blah blah. Classic tell us all as time. We love to see it. And then they did a little fake out of like, oh no, is it too late? No, it was just in time. Everything's fine. Uh. So, and we also got that at the end before they go back to the surface, they fly out across the mountains, which is what Jaeger had always wanted to do. And such so as like, I want my dad to be able to see this, they go out and they everyone else is looking at this massive eye and being like okay I guess I'm reckoning with my existential crisis but Jaeger and Searcher are looking the opposite way across at like the open vastness of the ocean that this creature is swimming through and they have a little heart to heart and it's a physical reminder and their conversation is a reminder that Jaeger has developed as a character and now his son is more important than this explorer dream that he had of glory And we love to see growth. Yay. Yay. And that was Strange World, which fully I found really difficult to remember because I'd be like, the Strange World, Strange World, Stranger Mm -hmm. Worlds. Um, But it's just called Strange World. Mm -hmm. The first gay Disney movie. (laughs) Confirmed.
0: (laughs) Shall we go into our ratings? Let's
1: do it. (laughs)
0: So we give a rating to each of our movies that we review and we give it a rating out of six. Why six? I hear you ask. Well, let us tell you why there is a canonical law reason why we do it. There are six bars in one of the pride flags. They are red, orange yellow, green, blue and purple and each of In them In case you
1: didn't know the colours of the rainbow Jazza has explained that to you perfectly Yes, thank you.
0: Um, And each of those colours have their own kind of like assigned meaning for correspondingly life, healing, sun, nature, harmony and spirit We will give up to six of these bars and colours that represent the movie to us Jazza, how many are you going give... yeah. to give? No, 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 you go first <laughs>
1: Okay, so I reasonably enjoyed this movie. I thought it was, but I did think it was just fine. I felt like, I wish that there was a little bit more to the characters. They felt slightly, like it was very much high on the action and felt quite symbolic, like one to two dimensional characters. We weren't quite the 3D yet. But it does have quite a revolutionary piece of representation. And I really enjoyed how they went about creating a story which could very easily if you told someone hey we made a disney movie about a gay teenage boy but it's also about sons disappointing their fathers you would be like oh boy that's an interesting Mm -hmm. that's an interesting thing to do but the his queerness is like nothing to do with his relationship with his father and even his grandfather who is described as like the manliest of men and who could have that they could have made that a source of contention
0: yeah we didn't talk about that but when he comes out to his granddad or doesn't even come out he just mentions that he's interested in another boy i kind of had this moment of oh no but then the conversation continues as if he had said anything. And I really, really enjoyed that.
1: Mm -hmm. I greatly appreciated it. And also that exactly what you said before, it wasn't something that they mentioned at the top of the movie and then never came back to. I think that hopefully in a few years, we would have a version of the story where Diazo is like with them the whole time and we see their relationship progress from friends to boyfriends. But we Mm -hmm. come back to it at the end. It's very clear that in a relationship, they're traveling together in the strange world, like exploring and also... So they kind of interestingly, I guess, doing both like he's going to explore, but they are also collecting resources like his father mm-hmm. kind of being interested in botany and, and plants and animals, which was a really fitting end with Diazo as partners. And so I feel like that is was genuinely really well done. So I feel like I'm going to give it the Oh, God, I'm torn between three and four.
0: I can't help oh. you. It's your decision.
1: Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to go with... Well, I'm going to give it three.
0: So I'm going to give it orange for healing, green for nature, and blue for Harmony. It's a, for me, it's a kids' movie. Like, I think, I think it's a fine kids' movie. The little people that are coming up in my life at the moment, all of my friends who have kids, I think this would be a great movie to show kind of like young kids. But this isn't a movie for... Me, and so that's why it isn't higher. But I think it's a perfectly passable kind of like Disney movie. But I just feel like it's not something that is a story that is well enough told to really connect with people beyond kind of like the explicit messaging that it has around, especially kind of like relation interpersonal relationships and uh, in the environment. So that's why it's kind of like a three for me.
1: You know what? I agree with you. I also think that it's there aren't any kid characters in it, and there's like multiple adult relationships so i would i would be really interested to see what like actual kids got from this movie cuz i feel like mm-hmm. the cute little bouncy splat and the cute three-legged dog might be potentially where a lot of their interest ends with the idea yeah. of like hey here is a here's a relationship between a an old man and his adult son and his teenage son who is definitely older than you seven-year-olds watching this movie so i i'd actually agree and i would probably give it the same i feel like there is this element of intergenerational healing obviously nature and then we learn to live in harmony so i think exactly great choices okay cool well done go us Epis- episode Another movie complete down done <laughs> dusted put it in the disney vault
0: and i can't believe that we i i genuinely didn't think that there was going to be a time that we'd have like maybe eventually but i like a a, an explicit category that is queer disney like i think that's i mean you asked
1: me you were like is it actually get like when we were talking about doing this did it surprise you with how much there was in it it
0: did surprise me how gay it was yeah it did surprise me how gay it was because so i'm so used to it being subliminal messaging that 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 as you said people could blink and miss it but this was so explicitly, no matter who watched this, you knew that Ethan was a young boy interested in another young boy. And that is, yeah, the The fact that it did that is pretty, pretty cool.
1: The final word from Jazza on Strange World, pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for listening if you enjoy these episodes we ask that you consider supporting us on patreon as a patron you can join our queer movie club where we do watch alongs in our discord each month but this is just the bare minimum at higher levels you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with a curation of all the gay shit we found on the internet
1: i want to say thank you once again to jennifer and toby for supporting us on our highest tier on patreon rainbow parents Uh, we are so so thank you for your support
0: Make sure you follow us on the socials and subscribe to us on the podcatchers so that you are notified when we have our next episode out. We have been just John and Rowan Ellis, and we are edited by Julia Shafini. This podcast is a part of Multitude. For more of their amazing stuff, go to multitude.productions. Thank you very much, my darlings. See you soon. Bye.